Hey there, this is Julie from Blended Life. Thank you for taking the time to download this episode of our podcast. I hope you find value in it. The truth is though, sometimes you need more than a podcast can offer to get unstuck and find peace in your blended family life. The struggle is real. So this is a personal journey I've been on for years, seeking peace in circumstances and with people I can't control. Becoming Heard was born out of this quest. As a certified life and health coach, I am passionate about helping others just like you and me free themselves from chronic upset and chronic crisis mode. Right now, I'm offering Blended Life listeners a one-on-one free breakthrough session with me. This call will give you clarity to see if coaching is right for you. Take advantage of this opportunity now by emailing me at becomingheardnow at gmail.com. I can't wait to connect with you. Hey everyone, I'm Eric. This is my wife, Julie, and we are The Blended Life. Hey you guys, today we're talking about loyalty binds what it is, what it causes, and what you can do about it. Enjoy. Hey there, welcome back to another episode. Today we're just going to jump into it. Yeah, loyalty binds. What what do you think of when you think of loyalty binds? What the like, what Do you know what that is? I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Is it's this like some type of move. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> no, so loyalty binds are something that children experience. I think anyone could experience it, but in for what our purpose is today, it's children experiencing loyalty binds which really is about how do they accept their new step-parent? So say I was, how does my daughter accept her new stepdad and still remain loyal to her bio-dad? And so on some level, kids deal with it feels like betrayal if they – accept, embrace, like, or love their step-parent because in some way doing so is a betrayal to their other biological parent. Does that make sense? Yeah, I've experienced this, I feel, or we've experienced this in our household, I think, between some of our children at different stages and times. You know, and it's never been something that has came and just lasted it's one of those things that's kind of come and gone it ebbs and flows doesn't it It definitely does and it has it definitely has its ups and downs yeah and I love that you point that out because it's something that right off the bat I want to say about this this is something that usually happens in the beginning when you get remarried but Eric and Eric Eric like Eric has just pointed out it kind of ebbs and flows through ages and stages with these kids you know, sometimes um, my son right now, for instance, is a, he's 16, and so he's really attracted to seeing his dad as, like, the end-all, be-all, really, you know, wanting to be around him, thinking that his dad is everything, and that's normal. 
for teenage boys, right? Teenage boys tend yeah, to be we more. Actually, yeah, we learned about this from yeah. one of the pastors at our church who is a licensed marriage and family therapist, therapist as yeah. well. And she told us, mm-hmm. she said, look, you guys, you're dealing with the things you're dealing with because that's the stage that these kids are at. And she could have, we could have told her what the symptoms were. She could have told us like the age range that our kids were at or vice versa. And you could have told her what the age range that the kids were at and who they were attracted to and, uh, you know, and, and drawn yeah. to. And she would have been able to tell you the sex of the kid. And the parent they're attracted to. Yeah. yeah. It's so true. So I, I you know, I think <laughs> it's disheartening sometimes in blended families because we get this right out the gate. Sometimes when we remarry and then these children feel disloyal to their other parent if they choose to embrace their new step-parent. And it's very confusing for them. But I also want to point out that this happens throughout their entire life. You know, it could even rear its ugly head again when marriages happen. Right. Or, you know, when, when your daughter or son gets married... And now step-parents, how involved should they be? Can I make this step-parent involved without feeling like I'm being disloyal to my bio-parent? So it comes back around again. And same with grandchildren, I would assume. Like, who does get Christmas? <laughs> who does get Easter? Who does get the holidays? And does every, do we do two first birthday parties for these grandkids? You know, it's, it's a whole thing that I think that always ebbs and flows especially with ages and stages, but then later in life with milestones. So it's something that we're going to talk about loyalty binds and, and kind of what you can do to help yourself, but more importantly, help your children because they're the ones that are really suffering. I know we suffer as adults, but I think that we are more equipped to handle the the hard stuff that comes with it. These kids are too new and too young. They don't come equipped with all these uh, t- these coping skills and you know emotional maturity tools to be able to tap into to deal with this kind of heavy stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's it's, it's kind of unfortunate. It's really unfair for them because they didn't choose this. You know, they didn't choose to have to to deal with this, and now they're they're feeling the pressure of sides or feeling sides. And I know. We've talked about this in the in other episodes, um, but if we can make it as simple on them as possible and take that pressure off of them as much as we can on our side, I mean, obviously we can't do it for the other side, but let them know that they don't have to choose sides when they're at our house. So they make it so, um, like for instance, like my son, I'm like I I know that this is your mother. You love your mother. Your mother loves you. You know and. I've always pointed that out. He has never had to come to our house and choose sides of his stepmom or his mom. Now, it might get pulled the other way, you know, when he's at the other house. But when he's at our house, that pressure has never been there. It's never been like, no, this is this is your mom at this house. This is, you know, this is who you need to look up to and you need to respect her as your mother, it's like, no, she, you respect her as your stepmother. You respect her because she is an adult in the home, but we still recognize that you have a mom, a biological mom who loves and cares for you. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you just, you need to make, you need to take the pressure off the kids as much as possible, as much as you're aware, because they are not the ones who've chosen this. 
That's right. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people, that's how you and I have dealt with this. And that is something that's really near and dear to my heart because of my background being a stepchild and my story about that whole dynamic with being at my dad's house and having to pretend that my stepmom was my real mom and I had to call her mom and all these things was forced on me. And let me tell you, forcing a child to recognize someone that's not their mom as their mom, like kids know that this isn't your real mom, but forcing that or making a kid have to do that, it doesn't bring people closer together. Um, it, 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 I don't know why parents do this, but a lot of blended families start out their marriages like this. A lot of blended married couples have this idea that we are going to be a family in this house. This is the mother figure. And I'm not disregarding step-parents. Step-parents, you, you're, you have your own unique role, just like a biological mother has their own unique role. And everyone gets really upset about that. I th- well, I think it's our problem as parents. It's our problems as the adults here. And we're trying to to fill voided gaps. We're trying to make the the puzzle look whole again using using puzzle pieces from a different puzzle. You know, it's like, mm, it fits. It, it fits there. But at the end of the day, the picture is not clear. The picture is not clear. Like, yeah, it fits there, and it plays the role of the puzzle piece. But at the end of the day, it's not the true puzzle piece, yeah. you know. And it, yep. it's, it's our problem as parents, though. So if we can realize that and we can recognize that and we can take the pressure off of these kids when they're at our house, then it really, at least at least they get a little bit of breathing, you know. But mm-hmm. that being said, taking the pressure off the kids and not making it a big deal and... Um, like the expectation of this is the mom, this is the dad in the house and you will love them like the mom and the dad it's just here's the thing it's a lie like you're asking your kids to to go along and live a lie that they know this isn't my real mom now if a child decides down the road or even pretty quick that they that they're like I really see you as my mom for whatever reason And and the child is the one that's really wanting to recognize this man or woman in the home as their mother or father figure, and that's on them, it's very different well, and because it's, a it's very, their choice. And it's very fluid. Like, for instance, my my daughter, my stepdaughter, you know, I recognize her as my daughter, but when I've, I've raised her since she was a little baby, since she was in diapers, and we never ever, her mom and I never forced her to call me dad. It was never one of those things her mom never, you know, like when you're talking to the kids and like, oh, go ask, go tell dad dinner's ready or go ask dad for help. It was never that. They always called me by name. She had a little, she had a little, uh, like a little nickname for me. She always called me Beeb growing up. She'd go, Beeb. And um, it was, it was probably a few years in, maybe when she was like four years old and um, her brother had been born, my biological son. And, a little while after that, she just started calling me dad. And it was 100% on her own. It was never forced on her. And to this day, she still calls me dad. And it's it's natural. It's not some, like, weird thing, you know. If she, it, it was just never forced on her, and it feels natural. And I think that is what kids need. If they don't ever, for instance, you know, grandparents. We're, 
Kids come up with little pet names for their grandparents. They come up with nicknames. Your, your parents are called something different from my parents when it comes to our children. They, and my, my kids call their, their dad's parents different names, that's too. That's it. They all so, have different names. And yeah. those names weren't forced on them by they made the parents. Up. Like, for instance, right now, my sister's children call my mom Grandma Honey. Don't ask me why. And I'm sure there's a story that goes with it. But there's 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 Grandma Honey. And then the other grandma has another Sweetie Pie. It, yeah. And grandma Honey and Grandma Sweetie Pie. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then we've got Tapa and Grandma. And you Grammy. Know. Yeah. There's yeah. just, there's all Papa. these. Papa. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's all these different names and, and you know, grandparents, um, you know, Papa, you know, there's all these different grandparent names and the kids are usually the ones that grow into that, you know, and it's, it's kind of, it them. makes it special, right? Like not forcing a kid, but when a kid comes up with a special nickname, like my daughter calls Eric Airy mm-hmm. and she doesn't need to call him that anymore. She, she did it in the beginning because she was she little, she, she was, was tiny. She was little. Yeah. So she couldn't really say Eric was hard for her. She just called him Airy, and she still calls him that, even though she's, you know, But 11. that's her name for me, you know? Yeah, it's and it, sweet. And I don't take offense to that. I'm like, no, you need to call me dad, or you need to call me stepdad. It's like Or Eric. Or Eric. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like we let these yeah. kids just kind of be. And I was thinking about that earlier as we were talking about that, and we don't force our kids to um, do this immediate um, push or pull, you know, or I don't know how you'd explain it, but um, sometimes it almost makes it rough in our household because when when you let our kids be super relaxed and it's like, look, you know, like we want you because we've always we've always given the kids the opportunity and the right to love the other parents in our house. We've never told them not to talk about the other parent. We've never told them we don't want to hear about the other parent. We've never told them that the other parent doesn't exist or this is mom or yeah, I'm dad. We're, we're, we're like, go call your dad. Go call your mom. Yeah. You should probably go check Have in. Have you talked to your mom lately? Like, yeah. Well, yeah, why don't you call in and just check in and yep. say hi? Why, you know, I, yep. I'll check in, like, for instance, with my son. I'll check in and be like, hey, have you talked to your mom lately? No. Well, why don't you give her a call and just say what's up? Yep. Why don't you shoot her a text say what's up? Yep. You know, or he'll be like, no, I sent her a snap. <laughs> you know, I'll be like, well, this is your mom. Like, why don't you shoot her a call and, and check in with her? Um, so we've always encouraged those type of relationships. But it makes me think sometimes it almost, for the time being, like right now, right right here and now, it almost makes things harder because we don't always get that courtesy on the other end. Oh, and that's been since day one, though. Yeah, oh, but for it's, me anyway, right. you really haven't had that experience. It's very. Your I, son's always been allowed when he's with his mom. To, yeah, he's to always been allowed yeah. to call you, to text you, yep. see you during Unless her he's time. In trouble, which is yeah, which is you know, I mean, he's always thing. been, and I never had that courtesy, you know. But this is what I'm talking about. So sometimes when they were little. So here's so here's my point of this though is when it when we do this and it doesn't get reciprocated to us. Don't let that be a nail in a coffin that closes the coffin. Don't let it be something that turn that that kills this and that's why I'm using the word coffin. Don't let it be something that kills that for your kids because you're being the kind parent who's letting them talk 
to the other parent. You're not making them um, call call you know their parent the the other parent in the house mm-hmm. step or you sure. know whatever. Well, yeah, because really, if you start tit for tatting with the other parent, they won't let me talk to my kid, so I'm not going to let them talk to their kid. That parent has way too much power over your life. Well, and the kids lose. The kids the are kids the losers lose, but in then this. You're, you're still this idea that we were talking about earlier of living a lie. You know, we force our kids to live a lie when we're forcing them into relationship and we're forcing them to, to acknowledge something that's not true or to um, live a lot, like li- live a lie. But then when we start behaving in a way that isn't our true selves, like our, uh, Eric and I, our authentic self is love everyone, right? Except, you know, you accept all parents and step parents, love everyone, talk to everyone. Um, but when I allow my emotions to start getting triggered and I behave in a way that isn't my true self, that's me living a lie and that doesn't feel good because it's not me living in alignment with who I actually want to be and who I'm behaving in a way that's not who I really am. And that feels really bad. But then we teach our kids that too. If we show up like that, you want to talk about kids losing, then that's how we're teaching our kids to do life. To let other people affect them so much that you're going to behave poorly and not have conviction and and not have, you know, a sense of righteousness. Like you're just going to live at the whims of other people. Well, and ultimately that is, that's losing control. That's losing control of who you are. That's losing control of your situation. And a lot of times that comes down to not knowing, not having control or not knowing who you are being confident to begin with in that and not having a grasp on this is who I am this is how I parent this is how I show up and I'm and I'm saying this because there's a lot of people like this that don't they all, they're confident of who they are to the public but when it comes down to it and who they are at the core they're like man I feel I feel lost I feel torn apart I feel stretched in so many directions. I'm called to be a stepmom or a stepdad, and um, I know what the role looks like, but I don't know what the role feels like. I don't know who I am. I'm smiling because you know? this is what I do for a living. Well, I know, and and most of our most of our audience know this, but there's people that just don't realize this. They think they've got it all under control, but when it comes down to the core, mm-hmm. they're like, "This is." really hard I don't yeah you think you know who you want to be but you don't really know who you want to be because you have limitations and you have wounds you know we all have some sort of PTSD if you've been married before and divorced and you know you carry all that over into your your new relationship even if you feel like you've healed you get triggered right so it's really important to be able to figure out who do I want to be and how can I honor my limitations? How can I honor my wounds that I have? Because, you know, you have to live n- kind of in spite of them. You you have to live with wounds. You don't just duck and run or cut, and, you know, cut bait. You have to, with your wounds, how can I still show up as a loving, caring, supportive partner to my spouse, co-parent to my ex, 
step parent to my step kid and bio parent to my bio kid. And still show up to work on Monday with a smile on your yeah, face. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> but this is something if you guys are having issues trying to figure out your role as a step parent, a bio parent, a co parent, a human being, you know, you can always call me. I'm offering for now. My schedule is filling up. I think I shared this last week. Um, so for now, I'm still going to offer a free 60 minute breakthrough session with me. Um, if you're interested in that, you can email me at becomingheardnow at gmail.com or reach out on social media and I can get you more information on that. But helping define your role is really important because you have a plan. And when you have a plan and you know what you're going to do, you calm down and you're not so emotional. Well, and, and you, you know, it helps. You become like that meme that's like, I feel like all women at some point in time have posted that meme that's like, I got this. Like, I'm I'm on top of the world meme, you know, like the like the woman power meme that's like, <laughs> yeah, n- not that one. <laughs> not that. I mean, that's like the actual woman power. But there's always like that strong. I'm that strong lady who is going to put up with nothing and power through it. And it's like at the end of the day, like. Mm. ask yourself, is this really me or is this just how we feel right now? Or do I feel like this all the time? And I feel like if you can get to feeling like that all the time and you can have that confidence all the time because you have a plan, you know who you are, it's going to make you so much more powerful. Yeah. And there's times, I mean, there's times in life, like a divorce, for instance, um, you know, all the things that we go through, just little seasons of life that can really, really, really pull you down and make you feel like, man, I don't have this, you know? And, you know, you and I being being Christian believers, a lot of times we just give that up to God and we have faith. But there's, there's people that need to have self-worth. And having self-worth and understanding who you are and your, your role in life and what that looks like is such a game changer, having that type of confidence. Yeah, well, so. there's peace in that. You know, it's like when you know who you are and how you're showing up, there's nothing really to be anxious about. You know, people's opinions don't know don't really matter because you know they're not going to affect you because you are living in alignment with your values, with your beliefs, with your morals, you know, honoring your gifts and talents and all the things and it's really not it's a it's a peaceful way to live and that is what I I always think that peace and confidence go together you know when when you are no longer getting upset by every way which way the wind blows in front of you right it's peace it's confident you know the wind no longer really matters to you like it can blow all at once you're gonna continue on your journey and that is how if you can do blended family life It doesn't mean that there's no chaos around you. It just means you can exist in the eye of the storm and show up in a way that honors you. And that's really, really important. I I don't, I can't stress that enough. So let me know if I can help. Yeah. Becoming heard now at gmail.com. Yeah. Back to loyalty binds real quick. Okay. Is that okay? Absolutely. Well, I think that's part of it. I think the loyalty... I think the loyalty part of it um, comes from knowing who you are and having that confidence. And you don't worry so much about that loyalty part because... Kids are going to be loyal to their parents. Well, and, and also, I feel like also. You're, you're showing up 
you're showing up confident in who you are, regardless of what the kids call you. You know, you are confident in who you are. You know the other parent exists. So pretending that the other parent doesn't exist in the house is just a lie. A complete lie that the kids see through and it and it and pushes, they don't respect. And it pushes them down. It quiets them up and it it gives a level of shame. Of shame, of secrecy, of there's so many things that get piled into that now that make the kids feel a way like yeah. they're it's almost like being cornered because now they're yeah. like, I, you know, I need to find a way out. And it, and it shows them. My mom, my mom had a really great way of explaining this to me. And I think this is kind of what you're saying. She would always tell me, cause when I was going through my divorce and with my kids and you know, all the, all the things at the beginning, you know, she would give me advice about this. And, um, because sometimes you just wish the ex wasn't existing right? When you're in a divorce and it's really hard, sometimes it would just be easier if they fell off the face of the earth and you didn't have to deal with it. But my mom would always tell me, um, you know, your kids are half of you, half you and half their dad. And so really, you know, she would allude it to like, if you're asking them to, you're by like denouncing their dad or not, acknowledging that their dad exists or not allowing space for them to talk about their dad or or love their dad crap about their dad or Yeah, yeah like you're you're denouncing half of who they are you're asking them to be ashamed or deny half of who they are and that's really like for kids when their identity is in question it is um something they cannot tolerate and this is a really great segue into what i wanted to get into because they are half mom, half dad. When you denounce that, have them deny it, lie about it, um, ignore it, push it down, set it aside, whatever, because it's your issue, not theirs. That is not a tolerable thing for children. Their identity, they're so egocentric, right? Kids are all about them and their identity. When you're born, it's, it is what it is. And so because it's intolerable, Kids, this is a really big, if you have kids that that are acting out in your home, I would go back to the beginning and check loyalty binds and how you're dealing with it. Because this is a huge reason that kids act out in blended families. A lot of step parents think that kids act out because of them, because they don't like me, right? All the step parents are insecure. They don't like me. I do my best. You know, why don't they like me? Why don't they respect me? And they make the step parents are making it all about them. And what I want to offer you is take the lens off you and put it on these children. These children who have loyalty binds are living in intolerable existence. They're confused. They're lost. They're anxious. They're unsettled. They feel unsafe. They are so confused that they act out. And so you might want to just, if this is something you deal with, like kids acting out in your home, I would suggest it's not about you, it's about them. So step parents, stop being so insecure that it's you. Bio parents, stop putting pressure on your spouse that it's them. And really, it's about the kids and what they have going on in their little hearts, their little minds, what they're trying to figure out, where do I belong? Where do I fit in? Everyone's tugging at me. 
Everyone's asking me to live a lie. And I don't know who I am. And I have to change who I am from one house to the next. You know, and it's really, really tough. And so if we can bring grace around this and understanding and create space for these kids to work through that, it's really, really important. And so if you're wondering, like, well, how do, how do kids act out? Like, what can I look for to kind of see? Well, if kids are being rude or hostile to the step-parent, especially in the beginning, they're, like, really rude, they're really hostile, they're, you know, they're just, they're mean, it's, there's a pretty good chance that they have a loyalty bind. Like, I have to push this person away and remain loyal to my other parent. Does that make sense? Yeah, another way that you can see it, too, um, is, you know, the the big change of going back and forth from households, settling. You know, the kids have a hard time settling or don't ever really settle. And you notice a decline in who they are, their behavior, their actions, um, acting out or just not wanting to connect with anyone in the house. That could be, that could be a, you know, a big part of it, too, because... Mm-hmm. Kids should be excited to see their parents. Kids should be come home and be excited to see their siblings, you know, pets, um, whatever it might be. But if they're coming home and they're just like, I don't want to be around anyone, that might be, you know, just a passive way of like, you know, I don't really want to be around you because I'm loyal to the other family but or my other parent, but I also don't want to cause problems here because I don't really not like you. I just don't know, and it feels weird, and I'm confused. So I'm yeah. just going to kind of keep to myself. I'm not yeah, really going to settle. Right. right? That is such a good point. That's another way that you can notice if kids are having issues with loyalty binds and is it's that not, they withdraw from And everyone. it's not uncommon. It nope. is not an uncommon thing. Nope. And even if you think things are going great between both households, the other household, this household, that household, you know, it it's one of those things that can still find its way in. Yeah. Well, and it's what's going on in their little hearts. Like That's regardless it. of what's going on in any adult's hearts or households, it's it's something that kids something gets sparked and they have to work through. They have to they have to learn what's safe, what's not safe, you know, where can I get love, safety, belonging from? And how do I need to act to get it? And it's something that they work through probably their entire lives. Um I th- another thing that can really mess with kids too is when kids are coming home from the other house is prying them for information, you know, using them as um, listening devices in the other house and what's said there and, you know, what's your mom or your dad saying or what are they doing or mm-hmm. using them as um, little spy tools, you know, they're little, they're little, uh, little spies. Like pumping them for information yeah. about your ex. Yeah. And their new spouse and their family yeah turning your kid into a double agent you know yeah I mean it's good to uh, have a healthy curiosity like you want to ask your children how their time was at the other house did they have fun did they do anything fun or if there's there's specific topics you know it's like something happened you know they went on vacation how was vacation yeah you know um or, or there's there's just the specific things that happen you know and you, ask, you can ask appropriate questions, but I feel like us as adults, like we feel it in our hearts if we're prying. And if you're asking your, your children questions, you know, about the other parent, question ourselves first and be like, 
What's is, my motivation? What's yeah? What is mm. what's my goal? What's my end game here? And what is this going to help solve or accomplish? Or am I just digging for dirt? Yeah, you Ooh, know, digging for dirt. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard because especially if you're in a custody battle, you know, like we're so far settled of all that kind of stuff. It doesn't right. matter. But like when you're in the thick of it and motions are heightened and you kind of want to know because you don't want to be surprised, and so you're asking all these questions. Like, I get it. it. It's, I understand why you would do that, but it's just keep these little kids, you know, or dad's in got mind. a dad's, you know, single and has a new girlfriend or mom has a new boyfriend around. And we're asking all the questions about them. And, mm-hmm. you know, what about this? And, you know, what, you know, at, at some point in time, the kids probably don't even pay that much attention yeah. when they're with them. The kids aren't these full grown adults that, watch or pick up on all of these behaviors they just are or habits. Their time. They're just living their life. That's they're it. not living their mom's life or their dad's life. Like they're just living their life, having yeah. their experience. You and I go out, you and I go out to dinner, you know, with the family. I could probably tell you what everyone had at the dinner table. We take the kids with us. The kids not going to be able to tell you who a single other person, what they had at the dinner table. That's right. You know what I mean? They pay attention a lot differently. And you guys think back to when you were a kid, like what do you remember about being a kid? Like you remember only those fun, exciting, or or crazy, traumatic things. You don't remember all the, the stupid little details. Life. You know, yep. when your kid, when when your kid doesn't remember your birthday, don't be offended because all of a sudden, like your six or seven or eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, forty year old kid doesn't remember your birthday. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Uh, <laughs> Are, are we kind of chil- didn't remember your mom's <laughs> birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, mom. <laughs> um, Love you, Peggy. <laughs> um, uh, no, I'm being silly here. But but truly, yeah. though, you know, we we all remember our children's birthdays because those were big times in our life. But how many of us have gotten offended when our 10-year-old doesn't come run in the bedroom on our birthday morning and tell us happy birthday? And I like, would be offended. I, yes, but that's because you're you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It's just you know? we, and I, you know, we're born this way, so it's not shocking that we still make it all about us, but we still, from day one, make it all about us. And that's a really hard habit to break. It's a really hard habit to think of others before yourself. You know, that's, it's, it's, it's a challenging thing because it is all about our well-being, our good, our romance, our blended family, our life, our reputation, our, you know, our beliefs, our values. It's all about us. And these kids, you know, their identity gets lost in that. And it's it's just really hard for them. But I want to, another, the third way I had, so we, the way that kids act out when they're experiencing loyalty binds is that we said they first can be rude and hostile like aggressive they can get isolated or withdrawn because they just don't want to deal with it at all or and we've seen this happen in our house with everyone all the kids in our home they cause drama right so then to gain favor in one house they have to bad mouth or lie about or create issues um by so say like my daughter was loyal to her dad she might this is this is a made-up situation but she might go to her dad and talk really bad about me or about eric 
You know, she would she would she would accuse Eric of saying things he didn't say. She would accuse Eric of being mean to her, doing things or to the doing dog things. that is just unacceptable. Yeah, she might say that so that her dad feels oh, like puffed up and like yeah, he is a pos and you're right. Like, and she gains favor with dad by doing that. And that's another thing that that is very common in most households. I experienced this when I was a kid too. I would feel like when I was with my mom, it wasn't all right to like my dad. So I would talk shit, especially as I got older. Well, and us. And that really like, you know, or vice versa. I wasn't allowed to talk about my mom at my dad's house. But like, you know, I there was that sense of like to gain favor and to have that sense of belonging. I had to dislike my step parent or my other biological parent even. And that was really hard as a kid because I really just wanted to love everyone well it's such a hard place and to get favor it's a it's a toxic way to gain favor i feel for these kids it's yeah. setting them up for just a toxic relationship cycle and it, it, when that's ever happened in our household you know like for instance my biological son comes and says stuff like that to me i never just buy into it i never never jump on that bandwagon with them i'm always i question everything around it like well why did that happen? Why was that said? You know, what what other circumstances? Because you have to remember that there's always two sides to a story. And even though it's coming from one side about one person, like, is my, is my ex truly evil enough to do that? Is my ex truly capable enough, capable enough or do they care enough about me or our situation or what's going on about that situation to do that and if that's the case then okay well you know but again like I said earlier question also why am I worried about this why am I talking about this is is my child in harm's way is their health or safety at risk or is this truly just a drama piece that is happening you know and are we now just wasting time on drama in our household that's setting our kids up to live a life of drama because it gets that dopamine going that's like, ooh, mom or dad is buying into this with me mm-hmm. and they're siding with me mm-hmm. and this feels really good because now now mom loves me a lot more because I'm talking crap about dad. And they are interested and, and they are asking questions and they want to yeah, know. And I'm and part of this adult conversation yeah. and it's really just yeah. damaging our children. Right. Well, and it's teaching them that it's okay to lie. Well, you know, also because well, a lot of it, if it's not true, it's a lie, and well, it's w- gossip too, and it's teaching them that it's okay to gossip about other people, and it's that's able to, true. it's able that it's all yeah. right to judge other people, um, yeah. and talk about that. Where again, there's probably more to a situation, but not always, but sometimes there is. But what's the situation that we're talking about? What is this actual gossip? And what's the judgment coming out of this, you know? Um, there's just, there's a lot to think about within ourselves when we are dealing with this this yeah. type of parenting. So I came up with five different ways to help your children if you have loyalty binds in the home. Where were you when I needed you? Oh. I don't even Why know what to say at to me that? Like that. I'm just kidding. You just came up with um, them. We could have used these years ago. I know. <laughs> We could have talked. We should have talked about this. Listen, you guys, if you are not married and you're getting married, or you're newly married, or you're just dating, thinking about one day I might be married, have these conversations. Like Eric and I should have had so many conversations 
early on that we just didn't know we needed to have. It wasn't that we were even avoiding it. It's just we we learned. These through, were not bridges that had come up yet. Yeah. So talk about it. Um, the first thing you need to do if you if you have a child in the home that's experiencing loyalty binds is talk to them about it. So talk to them and teach them what a loyalty bind is and tell them exactly how I defined it at the beginning and acknowledge that it's a real thing and let them know that love is not finite. Love my mom. Another piece of wisdom my mom always told me when it comes to this, um, my kids and, and reconciling all this as a newly divorced woman when I was younger, you know, she's like, love is not a pie. With like eight pieces. And then once everyone has a piece of the pie, it's gone. But that's how we treat love. And that's how we treat love when we have kids and they're divorced. Like there's only so much love they can either get or give. And it's finite. It's pie. And, and that's really not what love is. Love is infinite. Your child cannot have too much love. The more people that can love your child and love on them and, and, and do good in their life, the better it's better for them, right? The, you know, your child is equipped to love everyone. And I think we don't hold our children capable of being equipped to love everyone. We feel like our children have a finite amount of love to give. And if they give some of this love to their step parent, then somehow we're going to miss out on yeah, some of this enough, love. There won't be enough left for us. Yep. And I've, I've been guilty of thinking that. My mom's had to set me straight you know, 10, tw- 10 years ago, eight, eight, nine, ten 10 years ago, this was a really big struggle for me. I was very insecure, you know, and I'm so glad that my mom had this talk with me, but this is a really good talk to have with your kids. Teach them about love. Your kids are equipped to love everyone. There's love is infinite. And when you can believe that and calm down around that and your kids can, Man, it's a game changer. So talk to the kids. Have the conversation. Tell them what this is. Tell them about love and what love is. And I think that's where you start at first. You you have to talk about this with your child with your child who's struggling. Don't let it live in the dark and grow in the dark, right? Shit grows in the dark. Bring it to oh, light. Shit grows in your intestines. Okay. You know, and I was thinking about this, and if you have a, if you are experiencing this now, not everyone's going to be able to do this. You can always talk to the kids. I do think it's, if you have any kind of relationship with your ex and you're experiencing this with the kids, I would say try in whatever format is how you communicate with your ex. I would bring up loyalty binds and just say, I don't know if you're experiencing this in your home but this is how our child's acting out in my home, in our home. And I think it could be loyalty binds and kind of, again, explain what that is if your ex doesn't know. And then try to get on the same page about the love thing, right? That our kids are capable of loving everyone. That, you know, can we agree that we're going to behave in ways that support relationship across the board with everyone because it's in the kids best interests now I know this isn't going to work for everyone if you have a very volatile co-parenting relationship this I mean I would still send an email 
I would still send the email, and then if they don't respond or they respond unsavorily, like unsavor, you know what I'm trying to say. They respond poorly, then whatever, but I would at least plant the seed and try to put that out there. Do you agree with that? So many metaphors. Yeah. I think when I get angry at my kid from now on, just because I know he's capable of loving everyone, I'm going to call him a little mother lover. Mother lover. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not, I mean, it's the truth, right? They're capable. Mother lover. You mother lover. Yeah. It is true. Yeah. So and talk with your kids. Yeah. And it's capable. They're yeah. capable. And I feel like this would be one that you're jumping on the bandwagon about. You always say talk to the kids about everything. Yeah. I talk to, I talk to the kids about everything. Like yeah. I, I don't treat kids like one thing that really got me a few months ago is there was something that came home from my kid's school. Go figure. And it was basically, it was called, what was it, adultism? And it was basically teaching these kids that um, their parents had no control over what they said or said or did. Or you know, it, was, it was very much that they were equals to their parents. And it was just, it was very interesting. And it, it could probably have been worked into this topic. But... Uh, it's, it's very interesting the way that we work with our kids and we talk with our kids and the way that we interact with our kids because as soon as that came out in class, my kid was like, Dad, check this out. <laughs> like, what do you think about this? Like, he knew that this was wrong because the way that we communicate, you know, and I, I communicate well with him, but he understands that he is not the adult in this in this relationship. He understands that he is still my son or the child and this this lesson that they were trying to teach him was basically saying no you're equal you're you're equal to your parent <laughs> you know and I was just like wait this is mind-blowing anyways he no longer goes to school talk to your child <laughs> talk. talk to your kids you guys <laughs> well because here's the thing is if we talk to our kids when things like this happen or um, at the babysitter's house or at their best friend's house when these kids are out hanging out you know, if we have these conversations with our kids, and, and I'm talking all conversations with our kids, and our kids know right from wrong. Our kids have respect with us. They have respect with their other families. They have respect with their, they respect their friends and the kids that they're around. Even if these kids are different, even if these kids are doing something that's not all right, our kids, by, by talking and communicating with our kids, we are making our kids confident in who they are and to make their own decisions. So when they go to their friend's house and their friend's parents are doing something that's not okay, our kids don't make a big old scene about it, but they know that this isn't okay and how to get themselves mm. out of a situation. Yeah. You know, and that comes from us parents having conversations with our kids, giving them confidence to make smart and wise decisions and realize right from wrong. Just because a parent is, you know, or, or another adult is an adult, doesn't mean that they're always making wise decisions. So by having conversations with our kids, we are we are creating better human beings that see the way that we do. Yeah. And I think sometimes we wait for our kids to come to us too. Like we'll see our kids struggling and there's some sort of like, well, I'll just wait for them to come to us. Yeah, but or maybe really, they don't know that they can come to us. Or well, and I think a really important thing that we have to realize as parents is that when we go to them and like with loyalty binds, we bring it up to them first. It's like with the pressure cooker; like it releases the pressure. You know, like on some level, it's a relief 
that we came to them about this, even if they don't act like it, you know, they roll their eyes, they're pissed off. But let me tell you to have it out in the open is a relief that they don't have to hide behind it or struggle with it in silence or, you know, deal with this on their own, but they can actually express like this is out in the open and that pressure relief like is amazing. Well, another thing is too, you, you have know, a battery going off. Does that oh, matter? It's your battery. Bye. Okay. Good call. Um, um but what, so go ahead. No. Uh, well, th- the other thing is, well, yeah, go for them. No, you're no, fine. no, you're good. No, your battery's going to die. <laughs> okay. Well, number two is, you know, you don't force relationships. Really, if you have a relationship with a step parent that is not awesome in the home and you, you're really wishing that were different, let things unfold naturally. Forcing relationships can actually make loyalty binds worse. It, it's like picking a scab and it just never heals. So... A second piece of advice if you're dealing with loyalty binds is just let things unfold naturally and don't force things. Right. Um, Number three, basic respect should be enforced. So if you have a child that's dealing with loyalty binds in the home, that doesn't mean that they get to act out. You understand why they're acting out or why they're withdrawing or why they're doing what they're doing and causing problems and lying, but... You have to set standards in your home. And this is where you have to team up like as parents in the home, dad and stepmom or stepdad and mom, you have to come together and enforce basic respect in your home. That will make a kid feel safe. If there's structure and boundaries and standards in your home, a child who's dealing with loyalty binds and they feel unsafe and out of control because of it, when they have some sort of structure in the home, they may not like it because that no kids like rules, but it does give some sort of sense of security because they know what to expect. They know they can't, if they misbehave, there's going to be consequences. If they're rude, they lose privileges. If they're hostile, they get grounded. If they withdraw, then they miss out and they don't get to maybe have their favorite thing to eat or whatever yeah. it is you that's, have to and, kind well, of and that's our role as parenting this adultism yeah. thing was basically saying like that stuff should be out like you're equal to them like this doesn't yeah. matter and it's like no this is our job as parents to teach our kids this to to teach them the hard lessons because if we don't do it now when these kids become adults right then they're not going to know boundaries. They're not going to know to do this stuff. They're not going to know how to behave and right. when to say stuff, when not to say stuff, right. and how to ultimately stand up for themselves and their own beliefs. Right. And the truth is, as adults, things are hard. We get emotional. We don't want to, you know, you have a boss who's awful. It's hard to respect that or, boss. Or but someone, sometimes you or have s- to, like, figure it out. Right. Or someone on the street who you don't agree with. Like, that's their right. That's their God-given right to think the way that they want to think. That's not my my choice to judge them and tell them that they are wrong or that, you Just know. Just make fun of them. Or, or, I mean, yeah, you make fun of them. That's what you do. That's what you do. No, that's what you do. I do not. Um, So it's our job as parents to really guide these kids and teach them these hard lessons that yeah. they're not going to get anywhere else. They're definitely right. not going to get from their peers at school or hanging out on the weekends. Because these kids are all trying to learn the same thing that these kids are too. So when our kids are confident in mom and dad and family surrounding them, then they're going to grow up to be a lot more confident people. They're going to grow up to 
know how to navigate relationships and feel out relationships. And just because I'm mom or I'm dad in here, mom, it doesn't even matter anymore. Um, doesn't mean that we can't make mistakes. Doesn't mean that we're always right. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that we can't be called out on things or we can't call others out on things. Yeah. But we are the ones that need to show our kids what this looks like. Yeah. Good job. Why, thank you. Gold star for me. (laughs) Number four is allow space for feelings to grow. So what that means is if you have a child in the home dealing with loyalty binds, give them space. You know, don't suffocate them with expectations. You know, that you, you will treat this woman as your mom. You will call them mom, you know, and if you, you have to love and like them right away. Like, I think that we get in blended families and we're so excited and we want so badly for things to be good that we suffocate these kids with expectations. And a kid that's dealing with loyalty binds, that's really, really difficult for them and usually makes things worse. So just having grace and acknowledging this is what's going on, having an understanding and giving them space to feel what they need to feel, right? They have to respect you, but they don't have to like and love you right now. You know, giving them that space usually speed the, speeds the process up. It's a slow process a lot of the time. It gets even slower when you have these expectations that are really, really hard. And so it's, it's important to validate their struggle, you know, and not just one time and never revisit it, but understand and be able to have a spot. Like if you're a step parent and you're feeling like this is you, you're dealing with a child who has loyalty binds and they're acting out towards you. You know, this is something you should be confiding in your spouse about and your spouse should be really helping you along. You know, you think you're going to have one conversation and it's fixed, but this is a process that could last in your life. And you better be married to someone that you can share your you know, your struggle with as well as a step parent and then be able to just be, how can I be there for you or validate your struggle? You know, I think when we validate each other's struggles and we bring it to light and make it okay, it creates space for change. But when we ignore it and don't acknowledge it and don't want to talk about it and force expectations down everyone's throats, it really, you can't work through something. There's no space for change. There's no space for growth. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I think we're also, you know, called to talk each other off of ledges too, you know, Mm. just because you're feeling a certain way and you think you feel this way, which, you know, you're talking about valid, you know, validating. Um, Sometimes you're feeling a certain way because that's just what you're wired to do. And sometimes it is that selfish bandwagon, you know, I'm, I'm feeling down and out and, you know, like no one cares about me or no one wants to no one wants to hear what I have to say or, you know, no one respects me. And a lot of times it's just in my head, you know? So you as my spouse talk me off that ledge and be like, look, (laughs) gives me a slap upside the head. You're being crazy. You know, it's not the way we're all here. You know, we're just so-and-so is having a bad day and that's why it looks like this or it feels like this, you know, it, it's our job to bring reality and truth and understanding and, um grace like you said you know it's it's our job to kind of talk one another through situations and you know a lot of times it is valid but other times it's us just getting in our own heads and being overwhelmed you know yep yeah and number five um I wrote down keep your trash can empty (laughs) what I meant by that was 
you know, like Eric was saying earlier, if you, you have to model in your home what you want for your children. So if you don't want your children to experience loyalty binds, make sure you're doing nothing in your home to contribute to it. If you so badly wish the other household would be different, then you have to be the difference so the kids will see the difference, right? And so you keep your trash can empty. You know, you keep your lane clear so that it's easily move. You know what I'm trying to say? Does that make sense? I hear what you're trying you to say. Picking down, you're picking up what I'm putting down? Nope, kicking it to the curb. So those are my five tips for helping children with loyalty binds and even right. helping, you know, apply those to yourselves if you're dealing with it as bio parents or step parents or co-parents. It's, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. And, I, th- you know, we want so badly for our kids to be okay and we don't really understand what's going on in their little minds um and you know we all fail on some level because we don't walk on water so we have to have grace for that too and when you do fail that's a great opportunity to apologize to your children to acknowledge your failure well, acknowledge how it hurt them yeah, and that and ask that sh- for forgiveness that shows them what that looks like that shows them humility that teaches them humility it teaches them how to bridge back connection because when we fuck up. There it is. Hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on, hang on. It's like 10 minutes late. But when we mess up, we break connection. And so the way to bridge it back is, you know, you ask for forgiveness. You show remorse. You acknowledge your bad behavior. So it's, it actually goes acknowledge your bad behavior, show remorse, Ask for forgiveness, right? That bridges back connections so you can be back in relationship and not have it be awkward and not have bitter roots grow up and all these things. But those that's a really important piece that we have to model for our kids. You know, because the truth is divorces and blended families, there is a lot that get, we get triggered. And we, we, we too act out, just like our kids act out. You know, we act poorly. We make bad decisions. And so... Um, we have to own it. That's an important lesson for your children um, as they one day have a family and have relationships of their own, you know, someday. Right. All right. Well, I, I, we had a, a listener question, but I think we're going to be done. Okay, we'll put it in next week. I think we're going to make a whole episode about it. Are we? Holy listener questions. Here we come. Yeah, I think we'll make an episode out of many. Can we give it? Can we give a little tease then what it is, what next week's is going to be? Oh, we, we is can it next do, week? We can do it next week. All right. Um, so we had a listener write in and they asked if we could discuss mini wife or surrogate spouse syndrome. Holy cow. In I, don't, our I don't even, I'm going to have to do We've some, talked about this a little bit. I know bit. we have, but I'm like, I have never dealt with this. Well, it's I. It's going to get interesting. I never knew oh. it was called surrogate spouse syndrome. Yeah. So I'm going to look, I want a definition around that and see if it's like a diagnosed thing. I never knew. I mean, I've heard mini wife syndrome, mini husband syndrome, where the child just takes on that role in their parent's life as I a could spouse. See that. I, yeah, and I could, I mean, yeah, we've seen. As their confidant, you know, as their shadow, as their like, and all, it, 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 it's a thing, but. Do they still call him daddy? Probably. Oh, my gosh. All right. Um, so we'll talk about this in a whole episode. Okay. I was going to try to squeeze it in as a question, but I think No, it, this is going to be way too much fun because this is like, this is a serious thing. It's, a, it's something a lot of people deal with. Yeah. So we'll talk about why you deal with it, 
what it is and how to combat it. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you guys for being here with us. We have the blended life. You want uh, some help on any of this? You want to talk? Don't call (laughs) Eric. (laughs) Call me anytime. 911. (laughs) Just ask for me. Uh, No. You know what? Um, Our Facebook group. Yeah. We haven't talked about that in a long time. I feel like a lot of people get a lot of good help on there and it's not just Julie chiming in or me chiming in. Mm-hmm. It's a community that you guys can go to and Ask connect. Each other. Yeah, connect with other people. Um, sometimes people, there's people have made great friendships out of it, which is mm-hmm. pretty neat. Um, so on Blended Life Facebook, there is a, a Facebook group that. Uh, but it just says Blended Life Facebook group. You have to ask to join it. It's private for obvious reasons. Um, so it's not public. You can't see unless you're in it what people are posting and asking about on purpose. So if you want to have a community of other blended family people to share stories, ask advice, um, you have to ask to join it. If you don't answer question, I have two questions. It's pretty simple. Pretty simple. If you don't answer them, I don't let you in. I'm the only one that You hold the power? She yeah. Holds all the power. You so guys. you need to answer the questions, and if you don't, then you won't be let in. Okay. Just letting you know. So we'll see you on the flip. <laughs> Bye, you guys. Hey, it's Julie again. I hope this episode of Blended Life started a conversation that you will finish in your home. But I get it, right? Sometimes you need more. My offer still stands. If I can interest you in a free one-on-one breakthrough session with me to see if coaching is right for you, contact me now at becomingheardnow at gmail.com and let's get you unstuck. Becomingheardnow at gmail.com. I look forward to it.